generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. It's a light day. I ain't got on them about 700,000 worth. That's it. Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's Money Mail. And if the voice sounds a little bit croaky dokey, I've just come from speaking at a great conference put on by Smith and Sons. Now they are all over the country helping people renovate their pride and joy. It was Awesome to be there. I got to go for a little bit of the afternoon. Linda, who you would have heard from on the podcast, the Money Mentalist, she was speaking before me as well. So cool to see an organization or the head franchisor so into helping the business owners around the country learn more about money, finances, the economy, all those sorts of things that we talk about. Now, that came about because he also listens to the podcast as well. So awesome to have a little bit of that connection and see some of the things that can happen when you get yourself out there and you're working your passion actually on the way down in the lift, speaking to a couple of people who were there, they said to me, you're obviously very passionate about what you do. And I said, was it the 16 F-bombs that gave that away or the uh, talking at a million miles an hour? But they, they enjoyed it, which was good to see. Now they're all kicking into a few extra beers. I got a little bit of work to finish off, including recording this week's Money Mail for you. But what it did get me thinking about when I was talking to Rion from Smith & Sons was franchises and explaining those business types to you. Because today I got a message from someone saying, hey, I'd like to hear from more entrepreneurs and people that get things started for inspiration and just to learn their stories and learn you know, what they've done that's worked for them. So a franchise is very popular in New Zealand. There are different types. I'd imagine some are good, some are bad. But if you get inside the right type of system, then some of the things that you might be too scared to do when starting a business on your own can be done for you or done with you or you are helped through that process. And that could be around getting leads and getting work, having the right systems and processes in place, having the right people to reach out to when things aren't going well, having people teaching you about the numbers for business and all those sorts of things. So I said to Rion, let's sit down at some stage, mate and discuss what it's like being on both sides of that because he's previously had a franchise and now also helps all of the franchise owners. So we'll get to that at some stage. I've also got some cool interviews to come before the end of the year. The crew from Henry, we've got two lots of property. But anyway, let's focus on this week. I know that today, 
if you're listening to this on the Friday, people will be excited, some maybe, especially in that property space, because it looks like Active said, hey, we want to see the interest deductibility come back rather quickly. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that space. It looks like we now have a government. However, you know as well as I know that there'll be another government at some stage, there'll be another change. So the thing that we have to do is make sure we can figure out how to lead a life for ourselves so that we can continue to become the person who we are striving to become. So this is a story today from somebody who messaged me and they said, we sold the forever home. Hey bro, today we did it. Unconditionally sold our forever home. We were a million dollars in the hole, which basically means a million dollars in debt, paying crook interest mate, $70,000 a year. We brought a gorgeous home in town that will now give us a mortgage of around $200,000, saving nearly $1,000 per week in interest to the bank. It's crazy to think about that, really. For us, it means clearer minds and a much greater ability to invest, reinvest with over $800,000 in equity. Hard to comprehend when this was our dream slash forever home, but sometimes you have to step sideways to leap to forward another three steps. I am amped for what the next five years brings. Can honestly say we wouldn't have considered this without some of the learnings from you and Mikey over the years, mate. Thanks again. What a message. There's a fair bit to unpack in there, isn't there? Now, just walking back to the top, a million dollars of debt and they've got to pay $70,000 of interest a year. Now they've sold their property, they've still got a loan of about $200,000, uh, but that means that their interest is down dramatically, of course, because they've got less debt, saving them about $1,000 in interest a week. You know, that's a fair bit of interest. And now they've got equity in their property that they can look at potentially using. So I think what they're saying to me is basically we can reinvest with the equity. That might be into their business. It might be into a rental property, for instance, but they can use that equity because what they can do is they can go to the bank just for a quick equity lesson, and they can say, hey, I want to buy a rental property. Now we're going to have income coming in. That's the rent from people. We can still service this debt because we've got a high income, for instance. And look, we were able to prove that we could at a million-dollar mortgage not that long ago. Now they've got a new form of income via you know, the, the rent income coming in as well. So they may be able to go and buy a rental, and that might be the route that they're going down. But I don't know for sure, I'm just guessing. However, I have asked this person, would you be open to doing a pod at some stage? And they said, for sure, if it's going to help other people learn. So hopefully we can do that in 2024 as well. But before we carry on, remember, you do you, run your own race, design your life, aim for what you want. There hasn't been specific content around selling your dream home. I think that's my key message here. So the lessons that this person refers to we're about rethinking their situation and how they got there. They were thinking about, do I really want to be paying this much in interest? Do we need this dream slash forever home? Do we want to downsize and have still a beautiful home but have the equity so that we can have, what they said, clearer minds and a much greater ability to reinvest? Now, interestingly, when I shared this on Instagram, more people messaged and said they were doing the same thing. I got some, I'm downsizing, I got the, we're leaving the lifestyle block behind, I got the, you know, we're decreasing our exposure to debt. And that's what got me thinking that there's got to be more than just this person who messaged me. And since sending this out, there's been a few more people that have responded as well. 
Now, as interest rates have risen, some of the decisions that we made at 3% interest rates aren't the ones we would make at 6 or 7%, are they? Then it's tough. Do you stay the course or do you make a change? And we spoke about that in a recent podcast with the person who brought a rental property at the height of the 2021 market by the looks, and now they're having to top them up and they aren't enjoying that. And I put it on Instagram and basically everyone's like, grind it out, grind it out, grind it out, you'll regret selling it. But it's hard, right? Because now we're in these situations and we've got to think, you know, what do I do? What's the right thing to do? And most of us, we wouldn't want to go back on what we've done. And especially if you're going to sell it at a loss, right? It's very hard to take a loss. And there's some psychology around that too, which we'll come to in this money mail. This money mail is fucking jam-packed with so much stuff. Now, let's just address the elephant in the room because some people will be thinking, a million dollar mortgage, that's ridiculous, $70,000. And oh, now look at them, they've only got 200 grand of debt and they've got 800 grand of equity. Oh, it must be nice. This is their life, right? So don't get too caught up in their situation. Just think that, you know, this is them explaining what they're thinking about because this is impacting all of us differently. Now, for this person, they decided the stress of large payments for their dream, because it was their dream home, their forever home, wasn't worth it. So the stress that it took to create the income, to swap it to the bank, to have that dream home, that forever home, it wasn't worth it anymore. So that's why they made a decision to sell it and go down a different route. But of course, to get to the above position, which most Kiwis won't, i.e. having a million bucks worth of debt, well, it probably will in time, especially if you're listening to this in five or 10 years' time or something, probably like, is that all? Is that all? What were you thinking? Who cares? But you know, to be able to service that level of debt, they must be doing well, right? They must have quite a high income. Because if we just say, look, $250,000 of income, which is about a 1% income in New Zealand, you're going to pay 80 grand in tax on that and you're going to have about $170,000 net. Well, if you take off the 70K of interest, you're left with 100K net. You're probably thinking, well, that's still a heap of money, but that's your shoes and your situation. Just think that this is them making their choices in their life because you don't know what the rest of their life looks like. Because remember too, they've got 100 grand left over. They've still got to make the actual mortgage repayments as well. They've still got to pay those. So that 100K, they've paid the interest, they've paid the tax. Now they're going to pay the mortgage repayments to pay the, the uh, debt down. Oh, and food, kids, presents, petrol, rates, insurance, life. You know the drill, right? No, you may not be in their position, but it shows you how everyone is rethinking the decisions that they've made. So what decisions did you make at 2% interest rates that you wouldn't have made at 6 or 7%? Now, this lesson isn't just about mortgage holders either. It goes for all of us using debt. Note what they say. They say in their note, for us, it means clearer minds. They didn't say, you know, now we've fucking got way more money and we're going to do heaps of weird shit with it. We're going to buy heaps of stuff and it's going to be so cool to buy different things that we've always wanted. They said, for us, that means clearer minds. Imagine what is possible with a clearer mind and less stress about money. No matter your financial position, we can all relate to this. What debt is holding your mind and thinking captive? Is it credit cards, buy now, pay later, car loans, overdrafts? I've been there. I know the feeling. I've got to the other side too. And it's very, very hard to explain how empowering that is. I was thinking about this today post listening to Linda from the Linda Moore, the Money Mentalist, because 
I was thinking, well, maybe it's just part of my money personality where I like to be amassing money. So then to be running up debt for me must have just been going against my personality. It must have been conflicting what I really wanted to be doing. And I was probably ruining a little bit of myself because I wasn't being true to what I knew that I wanted to be doing. So that's probably why for me, going from that 15 grand credit card and having that debt and then still doing the same shit, you know, doing it with a uh, cue card and all those things, to now being able to stack 50 grand into a pie fund and chuck it onto the Instagram story this morning and be like, well, yeah, look, not showing off. I don't, I, I'm just trying to be real with people watching. To now have the confidence to do that, that's a great empowering feeling for me because I once thought I should be able to do that. Why can't I? Why am I in debt? What am I doing here? But I've managed to get myself there. Now you have to become somebody else to do that. You've got to let go of the debt and the reasons for using debt and change what you are doing. So to actually be able to do it, it's a very, very empowering feeling. Now, yes, of course, we can learn to get comfortable with the right forms of debt. But if the wrong debt is making you feel uncomfortable, talk to someone, i.e., credit cards, buy now, pay later, car loans, those sorts of things. If they're making you feel uncomfortable, ask for some help. Interestingly, I did a cash flow webinar for business owners this week and I saw some data before doing it. And basically, high percentage of business owners worry about money, just like you and I, just like everyday Kiwis. And guess the percentage of those that reach out to external help for uh, help around managing their money? 7%. 7 out of 100 will actually reach out for help. What is it with us and not wanting to ask for help? Probably too embarrassed, probably don't know what to ask, probably don't know what to say, probably scared with what we're going to get told. Who knows, right? But talk to someone, family, a friend, budgeting services, you know, go external, go objective, go non-emotional. The bank, a mortgage advisor, that's the beautiful thing about going to counseling and things like that. You know, you're not, you feel like there's no judgment and you're just being able to finally tell them about the things that your brain's giving you and that you're worried about and that you're thinking about and you're wondering, why do I think like this? Or, you know, why do I see the world like this? And is this normal? Am I normal? Is there something wrong with me? All of these things. You've just got someone sitting there listening, being like, okay, that makes sense. Tell me more about that. Like, yeah, fucking know. There, have it all. Have it all. So do these things. You know, get some external help if you really do need it. Now, this letter or this message that come through, it's also a great lesson in rethinking your dreams and your forever because it's okay to change your mind in life. I will repeat, it's okay to change your mind in life. This person, They've had to walk away from their dream, their forever. Imagine what it takes to do that. Imagine the conversations that they've had as a couple with themselves. Imagine how much mind they have spent, mental rent, thinking about it all. But to actually pull the trigger and go, you know what? That was once my dream. That was once my forever. I can, I can come to terms with getting out of there and changing that path. So it's okay to change your mind in life. I don't think we have that conversation enough. We sort of say, well, you make your bed, you lie on it, and you make your decision. But look, you've got to do what is right for you, right? Now, it's easy to get caught out by the sunk cost fallacy. And we spoke about that on a recent podcast. And it's the phenomenon whereby a person is reluctant to abandon a strategy or course of action because they have invested heavily in it, even when it is clear 
that abandonment would be more beneficial. So let's think about this person. Let's say that for them it was quite clear that abandoning the dream home and the forever home was more beneficial than carrying on, but they were reluctant to because they told everyone on their Instagram, their friends, their family, this is our forever home. People would have celebrated that for them. They would have been trying to beat that in this decision, trying to think, we know we need to abandon this strategy and this doesn't need to be it, but now we've got to go back and admit to all of those people, well, maybe it wasn't our forever home and those sorts of things. So those are those little pieces that stop you from abandoning a course even when you know that it will be more beneficial to go the other way. And most of us as well, let's be honest, we only really know the real answers with hindsight, right? We find it very easy to, because there'll be people that listen to this and be like, what are, what are they doing? They shouldn't have sold it. You know, it's going to go up in value. But you're not hearing what this person is saying. They're, say, they're not saying, oh, we hoped that we did this for it to go up in value. They, they wanted a dream and a forever home and they wanted clearer minds. They didn't have clearer minds. They didn't have that feeling. They didn't like the fact they were paying 70 grand in interest a year to the bank. So they go, no, fuck this. You know, let's abandon this strategy. And with a clearer mind, they can now think, okay, what do we want? Let's build a plan to have that as well. So it takes a very brave person to walk away from massive financial decisions that they've made, especially when you fall for the trap of the sunk cost fallacy and worrying about what people will say or think. Now again, it might not be about selling the forever home, but it might be the stuff around the house that you don't actually use, the item that you went into debt for, the event you committed to ages ago, the holiday that's coming up, the concert, the Christmas activities, the commitment that is bleeding your cash every pay cycle. Have a good think about this stuff. Are you just doing it because you feel like you've come so far and you're better now? Or do you know that abandoning it would actually be more beneficial for you? Because life is long. It really pays to spend some time thinking about the things that you want from it. And that's not easy. These things will change as your life changes too. Because for our mate here who sent through this note, in five years time, if everything's just settled down, they could easily be like, fuck, I wish we never sold that. Maybe they really want it again, but maybe they go back and buy it in cash in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time or something. Who knows? They're writing their story. You're writing yours. I'm writing mine. That's the exciting thing. It's always easy to write the chapters looking back, right? Pretty hard to know exactly what they'll look like looking forward. But that's a beautiful thing about life. We love a bit of uncertainty. We hate it at the same time. Now, we also live in a world where we want and are encouraged to live to the maximum outer limit of our incomes through debt, i.e. this person could actually get that property and they could pay it off. The bank own it, right? And they could pay it off to the bank. Now, someone else is going to go and do that now. They, who knows, though, who brought it? They might have brought it freehold, for instance. But you know, for these people, they have obviously a high income to be able to service it and the bank let them buy it. Now, we're encouraging people in this country to live to the outer limits of our income. We don't just say, hey, live within your income after tax. We say, that allows you to borrow more. Now you can go and buy this property or that pair of shoes, those sneakers, 
that car, etc. It's usually based on what you can service. So we sort of encourage people, right, to live to the maximum outer limit of their incomes through debt. But as you can see from this message, that may not be what it's all cracked up to be. And that's why they've made a change. This also reminds me to remind you that I have a book for you to read this summer. And it's called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Halsell. I think that's a pronunciation. It's probably not. But anyway, The Psychology of Money by Morgan. I think it's a brain on the front of a white cover with maybe some green. It's a cracker. And I took pages of notes when I studied this. I'm a geek. I don't really read books. I study them. So I sit down with my own pad and my pen and I take notes because that's what I used to do at school. And I did pretty well at that. So I thought I've got a formula that sort of works for me there. Now I like to take notes because then I can go back to them in time as well. But it's very hard to go back to notes inside my brain from a book that I listened to two or three years ago because I don't know where it goes. Fucking somewhere. But I might take a couple of key lessons, but it's hard to go back and see the 22 lessons that I wrote down and go like, oh, wow, that's more applicable to me. I can see that lesson now. I couldn't see that three years ago, but I'm glad I wrote it down. I was starting to think about it. So this book, it's going to help you change the way you see money and potentially even your life. So please swap out one shit fiction book for something beneficial this summer. Oh, Luke, you don't understand. I love reading fiction books because they help me switch off. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's a long summer. Come on. You get a long break. Get a lot of days off in this country. Swap out a shit fiction book for something that could potentially change the trajectory of your life and put your brain at ease around money and help you understand what is going on out there, the psychology of money. One of the lessons in the book is that the goalposts are always moving. You need to try and master making them stop. And good luck with that, because that is bloody hard in a consumption-led world, isn't it? You're one of over 8,700 recipients. The KTC podcast had over 48,500 downloads in October. We're nearly through November. This won't get in front of people if you don't put it in front of people. So please, pass it on, tell someone, share it, put it on your social media, play a listening in, the, in front of different people. Be careful around the kids with the amount of F-bombs. But anyway, I am me. I'm trying to get better, but uh, just get wound up. It is what it is. So try, please, and do some learning over the summer. That could be through KTC. It could be some other books that I've referenced previously. But if you could help other people do the same thing, that would mean a world to me. If you haven't left a five-star review before, do that and even subscribe so that it tells the Spotify, the Apple algorithms, oh, I like that, and then they might show similar people to you this content. That would mean a lot to me. Did you know, fuck, I've got Retain, and it should say Retail. Retail New Zealand's latest survey, see, I'm still making mistakes. This don't go out because it's perfect, okay? It goes out because it's 9 a.m. on a Friday. Retail NZ's latest survey of local retailers found that only 57% of them were confident they'll survive the next 12 months. Pretty scary, eh? Mike and I recently spoke about that data and some of it and a bit more of it too, but, you know, not a, yeah, I mean, retail is very, very tough and I can see why 57% of them, only 57% 57 of them were confident that they'll survive the next 12 months. It is not easy out there for sure. KTC, helping Kiwis get better with money through knowledge and action. Together, we can change the wealth of the nation. Now, I've had a number of emails back to this. I might just read a couple. They're a little bit long, some of them. So just a couple very quickly. 
And someone says, I wasn't prepared to sell the home, but I knew I wanted to do something to secure a better future. So as soon as the interest rates dropped to 2.99% for five years, I fixed them, I grabbed it, and I worked out what I needed to do to pay the rest of my mortgage off on the end date. I have 98 weeks left with a countdown reminder on my phone to encourage me to keep going. I think I realized that the rates would have to climb once the world realized the free money would have to be paid back at some stage. So happy I made that effort to smash this out. So what they were saying is through that frothy period, they fixed their rates. They were happy to take 3%. And they said to themselves, let's clear some of this bloody debt down. So that's exactly what they did. They upped their payments and they started trying to get it down. So they've got the exact date that they're going to be mortgage-free. They say it's a very exciting and rewarding day incoming. Somebody else says, this is exactly what we're thinking about too. I don't think it's interest rates driving our thoughts though. Mine's education. The more I learn about economics and finance, the more I'm reconsidering my life choices. That is the danger of learning about finances and the economy and things like that. As you start to question, you're like, whoa, that decision made sense with the education that I had then, but now oh, it doesn't really stack up for me. So that is confusing as well. Now, they are saying that also they're thinking about what does success look like to you? That thought process. I want to work because I want to, not because I have to. I want to travel two to three times per year for a few weeks at a time. Now, how do I get myself into that position to that tricky part? They have teenagers as well, and they basically say what they earn, and they need to stack some ducks in a row, I guess. But that's right, you know. I said to them basically, like, good on you for thinking about what you want from your life and trying to design your life. And that's the cool thing, you know, everybody's different. This person wants to travel, other people might not be into that. But also, what a cool thing. I want to work because I want to, not because I have to. And I can honestly say that that's where I am at the moment. I probably have to work to get closer to my goals, but I set those for myself and I want to do the work, but I love what I do and it's a very good feeling and I hope more people get to experience that at some stage in their life. Hopefully you have learnt something through that and it's cool to see what other people are thinking about around the place and around the country and reconsidering some of the decisions that they made and just not judging themselves or other people because it's tricky. It's so much easier with hindsight, right? You know, like None of this shit would probably be happening if interest rates were still at 2 to 3% and the economy was just booming along. We'd be talking about this and the forever home probably wouldn't have been sold. Right, it'd just be roll on. But you've got to figure out what you want from your life but also what you're willing to swap your life for because we swap it for things in some way, shape or form. And if you're not deliberate about that, it happens without you even realising. Now, this person in this message was basically saying, I'm not willing to swap the stress of my life, my thinking, my work for these heavy outgoings, for this, what I once thought was a forever home. And for me, that's good enough to sell it. I'll get them on the pod at some stage. We'll go deeper into this one as well. Be good this weekend. Look after yourselves. Stay away from the Black Friday sales. But it's hard to leave when you do it like you mean it. I'm proceeding. Is you the one? Is you the one? Then she looked me in my eyes, told me, fuck them pussy niggas, they ain't right. Cause I'm riding and I'm dying for you, baby. Got me feeling in- incredible. In- in- incredible.
Hey, hey, hey.